Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Good to be in God's house with God's people. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are online as well. Um, We are jumping into a brand new series that we have entitled God's PPE, coming out of the fight series. Um, We we decided to go in this direction because over the last year or year and a half, as most of us have known, we've heard more about the coronavirus and the world's PPE than we want to know about, right? The PPE stands for personal protective equipment, i.e. masks and gloves and face shields, hand sanitizers. There's the social distancing. First they told us it was six feet, then it was three feet, and now I don't know how many feet it's supposed to be now. We were told that uh, there, there needs to be quarantining if you were exposed. First it was 30 days, and then it was 14 days. I think we're down to 10. I think now they're doing maybe three. Of course, you can't go anywhere now unless you're vaccinated. <laughs> and then, now the new term is not just vaccinated, it's fully vaccinated. How many know that that's a ever-changing word there. Because today, fully vaccinated, what's the name, uh, was the Johnson was one vaccine, <laughs> you were fully vaccinated. But you know, no longer fully vaccinated with one vaccine, you need two vaccines, and then uh, tomorrow it's going to be three, two vaccines and a booster. And then next week, yeah, we're already there, and then next, and then uh, in six months, it's going to be three vaccines, and it's going to be the three vaccines against the two vaccines. <laughs> Do you think I'm joking? I am not. This is the world we're living in. And for those of you who have no problem with it, something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. And so we, we, we've been told to take vitamins and supplements. There's vitamin C and vitamin B. And, of course, you have to take your zinc and all that other stuff. And all of it with questionable results as we see the virus spiking and mutating all over the globe. <clears throat> Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at not the world's PPE, but God's PPE that the Apostle Paul strongly suggests we all put on if we're going to fight against infection of the virus of sin and Satan in this world. Armor that's designed to see us successfully through every situation and circumstance in our lives. Do we believe that? Amen. Because there's nothing, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So even these viruses, you know, we've had them before. There's nothing new under the sun. And so as we've heard in the opening, Ephesians chapter 6, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full arm of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Do you think God wants you to stand? Doesn't want you to bow? Doesn't want you to constantly capitulate? He, he raised you up to take a stand against the schemes of the enemy. Verse 14 says, stand firm then 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet uh, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And so today and over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking this outline that Paul gives us, jumping around as I feel led. But today we're going to start at the top in a message that I've simply entitled The Helmet of Salvation. The Helmet of Salvation. Now we start here because it's a crucial part of spiritual PPE and positioned strategically by the Father as the enemy, how many know, is constantly attacking the mind. Come on, somebody. With temptations, with doubts, with, with all sorts of anxieties. And, and then as I thought about it, think about it, four out of the five and even the fifth senses are, right, are located right up here. Taste, t- touch, smell, sight, hearing, it's all right here. I know the Bible speaks to some of these things. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? It talks about making a covenant with your eyes so that, you, so, so that you're not going to sin against the things of the Lord. It, it talks about these things. And so, so the first thing he tells us, again, or where we're starting today, is with the helmet, which the Bible calls the helmet of salvation. And what does that represent? So I want you to write that down. It represents a new creation in Christ. A new creation in Christ. It's not something old that's being refurbished. It's something that's completely new. And that's what happens when we become born again. Born again. A term that Jesus introduced to us in the Gospel of John, in in John chapter 3. It says in John 3, 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Who is he talking to? He's talking to us, but specifically he was talking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. Oh, Pharisee, he didn't want to be, he didn't want people to know, so he came to Jesus at night asking spiritual questions. And Jesus point blank told him, and this needs to be on the, on the radar of everyone listening. He says, no one will see the kingdom of God, listen to me, unless you're born again. My question to you today is, are you born again? And again, he said it twice. He said it in verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And so in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul attempts to give us a glimpse as to what that means as to be born again or to be a new creation in Christ. It means the old, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, help me somebody, a new creation. The old has gone the new has come. So the moment we have accepted Jesus Christ, the moment we became born again, what are the things that became new in our lives? And I broke that down to a couple, three, four things this morning so, so that we can get a reference as to what has become new in our lives. Number one, your thinking has become new or should have become new. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit in you. 
I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And so when it says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a spirit, it's a reference to a new way of thinking. A stone heart refers to a, a stubborn heart, a callous heart, a, a, a heart that's a cold heart, maybe even a prideful heart. And a, and a heart of flesh refers to a heart that's obedient to the Lord. So he says, I'm going to give you something new. I'm going to give you a heart that wants to please the Lord. And it starts with your thinking. Rome, uh, I mean, Romans 12.2 kind of confirms that. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into what? Into a new person. And how does he do that? He does it by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I always like to ask this question, how many people want to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for you? I know I do. I don't want to be guessing through this life. I want to know what God wants me to do. And so the Bible says in this, in, in this scripture, it says the way to know it is by allowing God to change the way you think. That old way of thinking. And then when that happens, we, be, we, be, we are in the process of being transformed into a new person. I, ho I hope I'm not thinking the way I used to think. Come on, somebody. I hope I, my, 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 my behavior is not the same today as it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago. And the way he does that, again, is by going after those areas in our thought process where the enemy has set up strongholds, and he says some things have to change. The way you think about yourself has to change. The way you think about others has to change. The way I react to situations have to change. He says, I, and, I, and I'm going to do that because I'm going to deposit my spirit inside of you. I'm going to give you a new heart, and that's going to start on your thinking. Not only does it affect our thinking, along with our thinking goes, I want you to write this down, is a new attitude. A new attitude. Ephesians 4, through 24 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be, to be made new in the, help me somebody, in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so God has given us a new attitude. And when I think about a new attitude, I, I can't help but thinking about the children of Israel. When God was taking them out of slavery, out of bondage, and it was decided to send out ten spies. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that came back with a different attitude. Ten of them came back with, with we are just grasshoppers in their, in their eyes. We're not going to be able to do whatever God says. And Caleb and Joshua came back and, and says, whose report are we going to believe? We're going to believe the report of the Lord. Amen. And so Caleb, uh, I mean, the, the ten spies came back with a bad attitude. Caleb and Joshua came back with a good attitude. God wants to change our attitude. Amen. Instead of being prideful and arrogant in our approach to life and circumstance, we need to look to our big brother in Christ and see the attitude that God wants us to have. In Philippians 2.5, it says, you must, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What was his attitude? His attitude was that of humility. His attitude was that of obedience. His attitude was that of self-sacrifice. 
His attitude was that of victory, amen? Whatever it was going to take to beat the enemy, I'm going to do it. That was his attitude. And so we have a new way of thinking, and we also have the opportunity to have a new attitude toward what's going on around us. Let me give you the third thing. And this is an important one. We have a, very, a, 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 a new nature. A new nature. Write that down. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says this. May God bless you with his special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know Jesus, our God and Lord, better and better. As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. How do, how do we... Um, as we, let me read that again. As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for, for living a godly life. He has called us to receive his own glory and goodness. And by that same mighty power, he has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. His promises that you, he has, he has promised that you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires and that you will share in his in what? In his divine nature. So according to this passage, it says that God's will for us is to escape some things. He, the scripture calls it decadence or the corruption of this world. How does he do that? Well, because in Christ we become partakers of the promises of God. Amen? And partakers of, his, of the very nature of God. In other words, through the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can start to say no to the evil inclinations that, that are coming our way and yes to, the new, yes to the new nature he's imparted inside of us. And when we start to say no to the enemy's inclinations in our lives and yes to the things that God wants for us, listen to me, we will start to experience victories in our lives because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so it doesn't mean that the old nature is completely gone. He's given us a new nature, but while we're still on this planet, how many know we're still having to, to deal with the old nature? That's why it says consider it dead or cru crucified. And, and that old nature is constantly con trying to, to rear its ugly hand. And, and God says, but I've given you a new nature. Now let me tell you how to, to get victory over the old nature. Whatever nature you feed will lead. Amen? Now, I've said this before. I've used this example before. But it's one that, that, that's so powerful. I, I, I knew a person that I, I used to work with back in the day. And they jumped on a weight loss plan with other people in the office. And the weight loss plan basically said that they were going to do X, Y, and Z, and then they were going to weigh in once a week, right? And as they weighed in, I think there was some financial involvement or some incentive along the end of the way. At that time, I was like this. I was skinny as a rail, so I didn't jump into this, <laughs> into this thing. Now I could probably use it, but back then it was, it was fine. Well, this particular person kept going on, getting to the end of the week and getting on the scale and kept gaining weight. And every the time they'd get to the end of the week, kept gaining weight. And finally, and then they, when people would ask, they, say, they, they would say, I don't know what's going on because I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm, I'm eating right. I'm, I'm doing this right. I'm doing all these things right. I'm, I'm diet cokes and all this other stuff. And, 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 and so, but every week it was going up. And so one day, one day this person uh, called out for work. 
And when she called out from work, they, they brought in a temporary person who kind of sat at her desk. And someone in the office asked for a stapler. And when they said, okay, let me go look for the stapler, this person started looking through the drawers for the stapler. And as she looked through the drawers for this one particular stapler, she, she found in the bottom drawer, in the back portion of the drawer, she looked in there, and there was all sorts of sweets and snacks in that person's drawer. There were Twinkies, and there were, <laughs> there were you know, Snickers bars, and there were all sorts of candies in that little drawer, in that, in, in that little hidden drawer. And, and so what would happen was, you know, when, whenever, you know, they got an inclination for some sweets, what they'd do is when no one was looking, they'd pull out that, that, that hidden drawer, and they'd reach in, and they'd, you know, peel up the thing and snack. And the reason why at the end of every week the scale was going up instead of going down, it was going in the wrong direction, is because they had a hidden drawer <laughs> that they were snacking on during the week. Now, a lot of times, how many know that we could, we could fool ourselves all the time? Right? We could fool other people, we could fool ourselves, but we can't fool God, Amen. And when it comes to the, the nature, that, 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 that the inclinations of the past, some of us are still having trouble. And we were saying, I don't know why, Pastor Rick, I'm still having trouble. I'm doing everything right. I'm coming to church. I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing this. But I'm still losing ground spiritually. And then a lot of times, do, I, I try to turn the conversation, is there a hidden drawer somewhere? Is there a hidden drawer of pornography, maybe? Or is there a hidden drawer of drugs? Is there a hidden drawer? Maybe it is food that your issue is. Is there a hidden drawer somewhere that's constantly making you take two steps forward and three steps back? If you want to win the war in this area of your nature, whatever nature you feed will lead. And you've got to get rid of these hidden drawers. Does that make sense? Amen? We've got to get rid of these hidden drawers. And so God has given us, with the helmet of salvation, something new. Uh, and, and let me give you the, the, the fourth thing that he's given us. Is, eternal, is our eternal destination. Write that down. What's number one? Our thinking, what's number two? Our attitude, what's number three? Our nature, and, and, and how are we going to win in that nature? Whichever one we feed, we will lead. Number four, our eternal destination. One of the main and most important promises of God is that of our eternal life. Jesus made that promise to everybody who would come to him. He said in 1 John 5, 11, this is what the scripture says. It says, this is what God told us. God has given us eternal life. And this life is where? This life is where? This life is in his son. Whoever has the son has the life. But whoever does not have the son of God does not have the life. And so when we receive eternal life, 
A new kind of life comes into us. The Greek word for that is a Zoe life, which means a God kind of life. The, 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 God, kind, the God type of life enables us to, 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 to be like God in his attributes, in his attitudes, in his thinking, and in, in, in our potential. And as far as God is concerned, it's literally the difference between a corpse and a living body. Any Walking Dead fans out here? Not too many of you. I think you're not going to admit it if I, even if you are. But speaking of walking dead, um, dead men working, that phrase, dead men walking, it comes from if somebody you know, committed a heinous crime, multiple murders or whatever it is, and they get sentenced to the death penalty. And they end up on this death penalty ward in the, in the prison system, and Years may go by before that sentence is given, but at some point your name gets called, and once your name gets called, they take you out. Well, first of all, they give you, you know, you want your last meal, whatever it is, they give you right to your last meal. But once they give you your last meal, and now it's the next day, and you've been scheduled for the, for the electric chair or, or whatever it is, or however they're going to do it, they take you out, some two guards come, and you start walking down that aisle, and literally they start calling out, dead man walking, dead man walking, dead man walking. Now, why are they calling out dead man walking? No, because you're, you're as good as dead. You're a dead man walking. You are heading to the chair, okay? That's why they start calling it out. Now, I want you to listen. Keep that in mind in light of what Jesus said. Jesus said he made the statement when he called for a disciple to come follow him. He said, come follow me. And one of the excuses was, I've got to go bury my parents or somebody in their family. Remember that one? Yeah. And Jesus' response to them was what? Let the dead bury the dead. Now, what was he saying in that moment? He was saying that if you do not know Jesus, <laughs> okay, if you do not have the Zoe life in you, if you are not following after Christ, you are a dead man, dead woman walking. Now, you may have a job. You may have a meal at home. But if you do not have the son in your life, he who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son does not have the life. Come on, somebody. You are a dead man walking. And you are heading to an eternal destination apart from God. There are two places that you can end up, as the Scriptures re reveals. You can end up in the presence of God, or you can end up eternally separated from the Father. Come on, somebody. And so, as far as God is concerned, that's the difference. Now, Peter and Paul were great examples in Scriptures of the two lives that were totally changed with new creation. Paul was a murderer, and we know from his lifestyle that he was willing to kill Christians. And God transformed him, literally transformed him from a murderer to a mighty apostle. Peter would eventually go from a coward to more than a conqueror in Christ. And the Bible tells us a part of that transformation, especially with Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his followers, 
Who do people say that the Son of Man is? He asked his followers, who, who, who are they saying I am? And they answered, some say you are John the Baptist. In other words, some kind of reincarnation. Some say you are, others say you are Elijah, which is a prophet. And still others say you are Jeremiah or some other prophet or, some, uh, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked them, and who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because no person taught you that. My Father in heaven showed you who I am. So I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the power of death will not be able to defeat it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and the things you don't allow on earth will be the things that God does not allow, and the things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. Now listen to me for a moment. If that doesn't speak to us partaking in the divine nature of God, I don't know what does. Because the bottom line is this. We are new creatures with God's nature, and eternal life resides in all of us who call ourselves Christians. Amen? And that means that our nature is to act like God. But in order to act like him, we have to start thinking like him. And we can't start thinking like him until we put on the helmet of salvation. And we can't put on the helmet of salvation until we answer that question. And what is the question of the hour? It's the same one that Jesus asked his disciples 2,000 years ago. Who do people say that I am? And some of them said that you are the prophet or you're John the Baptist reincarnated or you're Elijah or you're this and that. He said, but who do you say that I am? And, and that is the $24,000 question, the $24 million question, the difference between heaven and hell, an eternal life and eternal separation from the Father. Who do you say that he is? Because if he's just another prophet or if he's just another man, listen to me, it's not going to get us to where we need to be. We have to call him our Christ, amen? He has to be our Messiah. He has to be the one who gave it all for every single one of us. Who do you say that I am? And that one way you know if you put on the helmet of salvation, if you've equipped yourself properly against the schemes of the enemy, the Bible tells us he who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son does not have the life. Do you have the Son? And if you can't honestly say, I do, and you want to start applying God's PPE, personal protective equipment, to your life, that's where it's going to start. It's going to start with a personal relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? It's going to, it's going to acknowledge, it's going to answer that question, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're not just some prophet or good man or who, someone who, who history talks about. You're going to make him your personal savior and your Lord. You're going to apply, him, uh, apply what he's done to your own personal life. And, and then you're going to experience that born again experience where Jesus didn't say you, you can be born again. This is one way of getting saved. He said you must be born again. He said it twice. He said, no one's going to see the kingdom of, of God unless they're born again. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about throwing old, uh, 
new rags over old rags. We're not talking about, you know, 2.0, Rick Thompson 2.0. No, we're talking about there's a death that has to take place. Come on, somebody. And the scripture says we've been crucified in Christ. And the life we live, I live not unto myself, but unto the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not playing with the old life anymore. Scripture talks about repenting and turning away from those things. And when I turn away from those things, I turn to God and I turn to Jesus Christ and I put my complete trust in him and him alone for the salvation of my soul. It's not how good I am, it's how good God is through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you have the son? He who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son does not have the life. And so for the next few minutes, if the answer is no, if I'm not sure, that's where we're going. You're listening to me online and you don't know, this is now your time to make sure. The Bible says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I just need to humble myself and acknowledge that I am a sinner. Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of his glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So when I acknowledge that, repent of my sins, turn. Turn to him for the Zoe life, the God life. That begins the process of the changing of my heart and the changing of my mind. And I start operating differently. I start allowing God take control of my life. Does that make sense? So while we're here at the end of our service, I ask everyone to kind of bow their heads and close their eyes. Those who are watching online as well, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, now is the time. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. The Holy Spirit wants you to start saying yes to him and it starts with the relationship with Jesus. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I humbly bow before you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I thank you for sending your Son to die for my sins on the cross. Forgive me for my sins come into my life come into my heart I believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God who was sent as a sacrifice for me I'm asking that you be Lord of my life in Jesus name I pray Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends. 
until the whole world hears. God bless.